So glad to be with you guys at all your campuses today. Uh, my name's Carlos. I'm here a lot. And you guys have my name down, so I'm not going to make you say it again today. Uh, we are going to be, gosh, I'm, I've been really, 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 really excited about this week. Only because for the last three years since I've been coming here to speak, and I think it's been about nine times now, um, I've been working on really this message. And it's crazy uh, because I've, I've been working on a book that I believe, guys, is going to uh, really help some people find some freedom. So today we're going to be talking about really the message behind that book. And uh, I mean, we've got, we've got webs and we've got, all, it's not a Halloween message, FYI. So uh, that, that's not what it is, but it, it happens to come right after. I think it's, it's not a coincidence. We're going to be talking about freedom today. Freedom today. And so um, before we even start, I know um, that there were some straws. If you got a straw, go ahead and lift it up in the air as you walked in. Okay, a lot of people did. So um, during the next video, when I, when I play a video in just a second, if you don't have a straw, um, we're going to have some people come up and down the aisle uh, to give you a straw because it's going to be really important at the end that you have the straw. Um, and so we're not going to do a taste test, so don't worry. Um, but uh, it's going to be important at the end of the message. So I want to make sure you guys have these straws because we're going to be talking about freedom today and why and how we get to freedom. You know, there's all kinds of s- stories in Scripture about freedom. Uh, we've got one story in particular where a father named Jairus in the Gospel of Mark has a 12-year-old daughter who's dying. And he goes and he runs to Jesus, as any parent in here would do. If you have a child who's sick, you go and you find help. When you're desperate enough for something, you will do absolutely anything for help. If you finally get to a point of desperation, you'll do anything. So he runs to Jesus, and he finds Jesus. And he says, Jesus, my little daughter's dying. Can you come heal her? And Jesus is like, absolutely. So he follows her. But here's the crazy thing. And I think in July when I was here, I preached a message on being desperate for Jesus. And this woman who was crawling in a crowd was so desperate for Jesus, she reached out and touched the hem of his robe, and it said she was healed. And that's an incredible part of this story. But the part of the story I want to talk about for just a second is the the dad. The reason why she was able to get healed was that Jairus went to get Jesus, and Jesus followed him. Now, I can only imagine that Jesus wasn't... I mean, that Jairus, excuse me, wasn't walking to his house like this with Jesus. I can only imagine Jairus is running as fast as he can, right? Because he's got to heal his daughter. Well, it says that Jesus stopped and healed this other woman. Now, when I preached in July, that's a great part of the story. But to Jairus, that's a horrible part of the story, right? Because Jairus asked Jesus to do something for him. And then Jesus went and did something else. Now, how many times have we asked Jesus and begged him to do something for us, and next thing we know, we turn around and he's doing something for somebody else. And then we get frustrated, and then we get upset, because we've asked for healing for something in our life. Well, the good news of that story is that, well, it didn't seem like good news to Jairus, because some of his friends come up and say, Jairus, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And the frustration inside of Jairus' chest must have been massive. But Jesus had a phrase that he walked up to Jairus and said, Hey, it's okay. Don't be afraid. The words Jesus said were just believe. Just believe. Now, I can only imagine Jairus, when Jesus said that to him, was like, Just believe? But my daughter's dead. Just believe I begged you for something and it didn't happen. 
Well, here's the good news for anyone in here that has been begging and waiting for Jesus to come through. He always comes through in some way, shape, or form. And what Jesus has for us is always greater than we could ever imagine. Because let me tell you what happened. Jesus goes to Jairus' house, and his little daughter's dead, and he stands in front of that little girl. And Jesus says, rise. And breath enters her lungs. And what Jairus thought, go with me, was going to be a rescue, Jesus turned into a resurrection. Now, how many of us have been just waiting for Jesus to rescue us? Jesus, just rescue me from this. Rescue me from that. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't just want to rescue you. He wants to resurrect you, which is so much more than a rescue could ever be. So we're going to talk about how we get to that point of desperation where we don't just get a rescue, but we get brand new life, a resurrection in our life. Um, Many years ago, about seven years ago now, my family and I were uh, in Atlanta at the time, and we were driving to a Braves game. And I've showed you guys this video before, about three years ago. But I want to show you again because it has a pivot in my story. And we're driving to Atlanta, to Bra- or in Atlanta to a Braves game, and that Beyonce song, All the Single Ladies, comes on. And my kids start singing All the Single Ladies, and I tell my son he's not a single lady. Well, listen, this video goes viral, and 7.4 million people the next morning had watched it. And let me show you what happened to us. Watch this. Whitaker family of Atlanta was in the car just singing along to Beyonce's hit song, Single Ladies. And then the family fun took an unexpected turn. You're not a single lady, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're a single lady. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Look, buddy, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. You can do it. Buddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. You're a single lady, okay? Okay? Here we go. If you like it, if you get it, buddy. I'm a horrible okay. father, he says. No, so, the video has gone video viral, become viral. a YouTube sensation. And We're on every news show. We're on Good Morning America, Today Show, The Ellen Show, Jimmy Kimmel, Anderson Cooper, Fox and Friends, Wolf freaking Blitzer interviewed me. Like, I'm like, don't you have more serious things to talk about? But no, this happened, and and it's crazy. Seven months later, we got picked up in a limo, walked down a red carpet in Los Angeles, won a People's Choice Award. We were given a crystal trophy on national television because I made my son cry. (laughs) And, and, And like everything, it was crazy. It felt like at the moment, everything I was touching was turning to gold. It felt like in that moment in my life, I had a record released two weeks before this video went viral. And then the record, number one. Everything I was touching, I felt invincible. And the danger when things are going good in our life is we believe somehow we're doing it. We believe somehow we are the ones in charge of our lives. Friends, I hate to tell you, seven months after I won a People's Choice Award for this video, seven months after my career was going like this, my wife... And my children left me. They were gone. I walked out of the living room. Bags were packed. And she was done with our marriage. 
And I had some secret sins in my life that I thought, oh, oh, I'm so in charge of my life. I can do this stuff and get away with it. Sin always catches up with you. Always. And my wife, kids are gone. I spent four months. I didn't say one word to my wife. I tried. She wouldn't reply. And I was as desperate as I've ever been for healing. And I tried. Man, I went to therapy. I tried. I tried to fix my sins. Try to fix my problems. Now, spoiler alert, that family that I lost has been found. God restored my marriage. Healing and restoration is possible. But you have to do some work in order to find out what's causing these problems. You see, when I went to therapy, my, my therapist told me, hey, I think, I, I, I think there's one last thing you can do to, to, this is what my therapist said. He said, Carlos, to, to help you stop rubbing crap on your blessings. That's what my therapist told me I was doing. Every time something great would happen to me, I'd find a way to mess it up. Every single time. So he's like, I think if you go to this place called Onsite, it's seven days of experiential therapy, then I think that'll help you get over the hump. And I was like, bad idea. Who wants to go to seven days of therapy? I asked my wife. She's like, yep, you're going to seven days of therapy. <laughs> Two weeks later, I found myself in the minivan with my kids driving to on-site seven days of therapy. And we're going. And I remember thinking I should call my dad and, and, and tell him that I'm going to, to this place called on-site. So I called my dad. And uh, he goes, oh, Carlos, you don't need to go to on-site. I can tell you what your problem is. It's like, dad, why did you wait till I was 40 years old to tell me? You could have saved me all kinds of drama. He's like, let me tell you a story. I was like, Dad, I don't have time for a story. I'm 10 minutes away. I've got to turn in my phone. Like, this isn't... He said, let me tell you a story. Now, if you could just imagine for a second the voice of Morgan Freeman and Antonio Banderas <laughs> mixed together. And it'll help you. I've got a picture of my dad right here. So this is what my, this is what my dad looks like. This, just imagine this man. And I know you're thinking to yourself, I've seen him before. Well, it's because this, this is actually also my father. There, there he is right there. So <laughs> my dad is an emoji. That was just a joke for the sake of a joke. But, so my dad, you've got, you've got his face, and he goes, Carlos, I was preaching my first revival in Panama. And Mr. Ramirez gets up. I was 25, and she walks forward, and she goes, Pastor, can you please pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life? And my dad thought, oh, that's kind of poetic. So he said he prayed, Lord, please clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. He goes, in the next night, Carlos, Mr. Ramirez gets up again, and she flies forward. And I'm thinking she's going to tell me he did it. And she looks at me again and goes, Pastor, can you pray a little harder tonight that the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life? And my dad was like, it doesn't work like that. She's like, please. So my dad said he prayed again, Lord, clean the cobwebs from Mr. Amiz's life. He goes, God knows. Then the last night of the revival, she comes forward. And I knew she was going to tell me they're clean. He goes, she said, can you please pray one more time with tears in her eyes that the Lord cleans the cobwebs? And my dad said, he stopped her. He goes, no, we've been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight we pray, he kills the spider. He goes, Godless, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin. But you're never going to get past these mistakes unless you find the root, the cause of your behaviors, which is the spider. You see, I had, I spent my whole life cleaning the cobwebs. Five steps to a better marriage. Three steps to stop drinking so much. Four steps to doing this. Guys, that's just cleaning the cobwebs. What we have to do is get to the root, kill the spider. So I go to Onsite, 
seven days of therapy. And I'll tell you what, I identified my spider. I located my spider. I cornered my spider. But you're never going to kill your spider in therapy. Therapy can help you get there. You can only kill the spider by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about what that is. A spider is an agreement that you've made with a lie. Let me say that again. A spider is an agreement you've made with a lie. You see, this is the cause of our behaviors. This is what we have to get to. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. Let me say that again. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to the lie. Here in America, this is what sells. You, walk, you go to Barnes & Nobles, you walk down the self-help aisle, it's a cobweb aisle. That's what that is. Because we're just trying to self-help. We're just trying to fix our medicating behaviors. But friends, just putting a pornography blocker on your, on your phone or on your, on your laptop is not going to help you. That's just cleaning the cobwebs. You have to find out what is the root. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? What is, what is, what is a lie that you believe that has you gripped? The lie that if it's pornography, here's a lie. Could be, could be this, could be another one. But if you're struggling with cleaning the cobwebs of pornography, kill the spider. And the spider is the lie that you've been told that you will never find true intimacy. That is the lie. When you stop believing that, pornography goes away. You see, what are some other ones? Oh, well, if I can just lose 15 pounds. I, I just get, keep going on diets. Keep going on diets. Keep going to the gym. Keep buying a membership January 1st and stop working out January 2nd. Like, that's cobwebs. Sure, we want to be healthy, but you're doing that. You're just cleaning the cobwebs. You've got to find out why you believe that your body image somehow is a reflection of what Christ thinks of you. It's not. Stop cleaning the cobwebs. Kill the spider. So we, we know what some cobwebs are, right? Some, some co- if you don't know what your cobweb is, ask your family. They'll be happy to tell you. Some of them, control, alcohol, body image, artificial intimacy, success. If I could just have the corner office, well, if I could just have that corner office and have that title, then somehow, some, somehow I mean something. No, that's a lie. See, you believe a lie that your worth is based on a title. That is the spider. So we got to kill the spider. So it's harder to find the spider than it is to find the cobweb. So what do we do? Well, in, in my book, I get into real deep sections on really how we kill the spider. But it's through prayer and it's through talking to God. I used to think that prayer was a speech, like a Braveheart mega, megaphone speech to Jesus on my horse. And I declare, no, no. Prayer is conversation. So in conversation, you expect to hear back. Well, Carlos, I don't, I've never heard God. I, I, I don't know. Well, in order to get to your spider, you're going to have to hear him. So how do we begin to hear from God? I've talked about this many times before. Lower the volume of your life and the volume of God goes up. So begin to lower the volume of life and you're going to be surprised at how God shows up. I mean, you're going to be surprised that he's already there without you even praying. I was telling a story to my wife a few years ago, when I first started this whole kind of conversational intimacy with Jesus, 
about a, uh, I, I was telling her, it was, we were at the end of a trip, and we were at P.F. Chang's, and I was telling her what I thought was a funny story about me leading worship the week before, and my percussion player didn't have a shaker, so we had to go to Guitar Center, and the only um, shaker that they had was in the shape of a banana, so he comes, and they didn't have him mic'd up, um, so he's shaking a banana the whole time, and the, at the end of the service, some woman comes up, and she's like, hey, that was a really great set, but why were you shaking a banana on stage? And I thought it was a funny story. And I'm telling her, P.F. Chang, she's not laughing. I was like, babe, this is funny. She's like, no, it's not funny. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I opened up my fortune cookie, and there was a fortune in my cookie that said one word on it. Banana. <laughs> I put it in a frame, and it's next to my bed. Why? Because you got to pay attention. God is all around us. Some, most of, a lot of, for the rest of my life, I call this coincidence. And this used to be a coincidence until this started happening all the time. I went to my friend Marcus just a few weeks after Banana Story. And I, we're having coffee, and I was like, Marcus, um, where do you want to go to lunch after we have coffee? He goes, I don't know. Where should we go to lunch? And I go, why don't you ask Jesus where we should go to lunch? He goes, Carlos. He's like, I'm so tired of you asking Jesus for everything. He doesn't care where we go to lunch. I was like, I think he does. So Marcus goes, all right. And he looks at me just like this, and he goes, Jesus, where should we go to lunch? And I go, well, what do you feel? He's like, Bro, he's not saying anything. He doesn't care. He goes, I kind of feel maybe we should go to the Thai Phuket out in Titan Stadium to that restaurant. And I was like, okay, well, let's go. He's like, but Jesus didn't tell me. That's kind of how I feel. And I was like, let's go. If Jesus, I mean, if you feel that, let's go. You prayed, let's go. We walked to Thai Phuket. We have Thai chicken curry. It's amazing. We walk out. We're walking to the car after a great meal. And we didn't talk about the prayer or anything. This guy comes running out of Thai Phuket. Hey, man, to my friend Marcus. Hey, man, I know this is weird, and I saw you in there eating. Man, do you sometimes work on your laptop at Frothy Monkey in 12 South? It's a coffee shop. Marcus was like, yeah. He's like, man, I was in there last week, and I felt like the Lord was telling me to pray for you. I saw you. But I didn't. And I was disobedient. And then you walked into Tafuket. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was freaking out, staring at you the whole time. So I had to run out here and, and chase you. I don't even know if you believe, but can I pray for you? And Marcus's eyes were like this. And I left Marcus in that parking lot with that strange man. And Marcus texted me. Texted me 15 minutes later. He said he does care about the little, the tiny things. So I tell you those stories to let you know, if you guys ask God what your spider is, he's going to tell you. He's, he's available to you. This is supposed to be normal. Talking to God and him talking back is supposed to be normal. So if you're not there, you can get there. And I do, I, I do help you with that in the book. But we, we get into, once he tells you what your spider is, how do we kill it? How do you drive a stake through the heart of that spider? It's, this is not the complicated part. Really, the hardest part is getting to the spider. Once you get there, you confess the lie. You reject the lie. And then you replace the lie. You see, once you do this, scripturally speaking, and in true prayer, you confess, you reject, you replace, the spider dies. And guess what? The cobwebs go with it. You see, all of these behaviors that we've been trying so hard to fix through all of these things that, that they're important. And 
the ways that, that we clean cobwebs, sure, we've got to cl- keep our house clean and cobwebs, but we, we ignore the cobwebs, right, that are in the corners, but we don't ignore the cobwebs that are underneath the lampshade. When you walk into a cobweb, I, I promise you, when you walked into a cobweb the last time, you didn't grab a little hanky out of your pocket and went, no, you went, you went in like full seizure mode. Get this thing off me. The ones that are right in front of you, you want to clean up. But the ones that are hiding in the corner, we like to leave. So when you confess, reject, and replace, now you've killed the spider that is producing those cobwebs. You see, I used to say all the time, when I was still in cobweb cleaning mode, that Jesus, I struggled with anxiety and depression for my, in my entire adulthood. And I used to say, Jesus has just given me enough strength, enough strength to get through the next day. But here's the truth. When I read the gospel now, I realize Jesus didn't die on a cross so you can cope. Jesus didn't die on a cross so you can just cope with your, your drama in your life. Jesus died on a cross so you can be free. So if you're not experiencing freedom, then you're not there yet. It's that simple. And I'm here to tell you, truth be told, you can get there. Watch this scripture. It says this, for the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life. Is there a period after life? No. There's more. Life and peace. If I can just get to heaven, if I can just get to heaven, then I can find freedom. No, no. Freedom is available here. See, our goal as Christian isn't to become a Christian and wait for heaven. Our goal as Christians is to become a Christian and bring heaven. We have that authority. That can happen here. So, To kind of close up, I want to give you guys one example of really what it's going to feel like when you kill your spider. See, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, um, we moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Nashville, but I was from L.A. all before that. And we were living in Nashville for about three weeks when my wife told me one morning, hey, Carlos, every morning or every night when you go to sleep, I hear you breathing, like you're wheezing. I was like, what do you mean I'm wheezing? She's like, yeah, you're wheezing. I think you should go to an allergist. And I was like, I feel fine, like I've been exercising. I don't feel like I'm not breathing. She's like, I think you should go check your allergies. So I go to an allergist. He does an allergy test on my back, pinpricks me with all these allergens. And he's like, dude, can I call in my whole staff so they can see your back? Because I've never seen anything like this. He goes, you're allergic to Nashville. Like, like everything here, you're just allergic to it. He's like, let's do a breathing test on you. Wow, you're only breathing at 30% of your lung capacity. I had no idea that I wasn't breathing. I've been living for three weeks in Nashville. I didn't even know because it had slowly, slowly become restricted. I was exercising. I was like, bro, I'm, that's not true. I'm breathing. I promise you, I'm fine. Like, look at me. He goes, he hands me this. Know what this is? This is an inhaler. And for an asthmatic, when they're having an asthma attack, they put it in their mouth and they breathe it in. Friends, when I took my first breath after this inhaler, I started to weep. Why? Because I fully experienced what a breath was, a full true breath for the first time in three weeks. I didn't even know I wasn't breathing. And I can tell you this. There's so many of you guys in here. Spiritually, you don't even know you're not breathing. Because you've been living your whole life as an asthmatic spiritually. 
using 30% of your spiritual lungs. When God said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. So this is what I want you to do. I want everybody to grab your straw. Pull out the straw. And until I tell you, I want you to just start breathing through the straw. That's it. Let's do the straw. Don't cheat. Don't use your nose. Keep breathing like that. Don't stop. This is what, how I was breathing. This is what an asthmatic feels like when they're breathing. Just like this. Keep breathing. Don't cheat. This is what your life is like when you just clean the cobwebs. If you just clean the cobwebs, this is what it's like. Keep going. Ten more seconds. Just use this. But when you kill your spider, when you kill the spider, everybody take a breath normally now. Take the start of your mouth. Breathe. Oh, yeah. Right? This is what you're meant to breathe like in Jesus. This breath that you feel right now is what your spiritual life is supposed to feel like. If you've been spiritually asthmatic, friends, you can kill your spider. This is what it's like when you kill the spider. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, right now, I pray that just that 30 seconds of breathing through the straw has showed many of us in this room that we haven't been breathing and we haven't been free. So I ask specifically, Jesus, that you begin to show us what is the lie we have agreed to. Jesus, what is the lie? Maybe the lie was birthed in trauma as a child. Maybe the lie was birthed in trauma as an adult. But what is the lie now that we can get to past our behavior? What is the lie we've agreed to, Jesus, that is causing us these horrible behaviors in our life? Jesus, show us, be clear. I pray the power of the resurrection upon each and every person in this room. I pray the authority that you've given each and every person in this room in your ascension, Jesus. I pray that those things are clear to us so we can leave this space, find our spiders, kill them, and be free in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it is in the name of Jesus Christ, every person at all our campuses said amen. Amen. Amen.